we go out of this world and Prince Philip is out of his mind on tonight's Crown After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. Plus, let's find out who's really making the most money on the show. Stay tuned. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. And we're back. Welcome to your favorite after show on AfterBuzz TV, The Crown After Show. I am your host, Sahai Wilson, and tonight we will be talking about Episode 7, Moon Dust. We'll be breaking down how Philip has a midlife crisis, the trip to the moon, and Philip finding his faith tonight. We also have our special segments, The Tweets Are Talking, and find out which actor is making the most money, and we'll get to find out what happened to good old Porchy. Plus, we have news and gossip, and don't forget, we'll also be in the live chat tonight. But first, let me introduce you to my lovely co-host, Tehran. Well, hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> hello. You should say, hello, governor. Hello, Gubna. Okay, see, that's great. That's great. Tehran, as you see, is my right-hand man. He's my work husband, in addition to being a comedian and entertainer extraordinaire, and my official historian right here. That's right. I am your Duke of whatever it is. <laughs> And I am your host, Sahai Wilson. I am a producer. I produce television, social media, and podcasts. And I'm also a host here at AfterBuzz TV. But I just love everything royal and royal family. Well, good for you, Sahai. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But tonight we are talking about episode seven, Moon Dust. Yeah. What were your overall thoughts? Well, I thought it was a very interesting episode to get to learn more about Prince Philip and how he felt watching him go through a midlife crisis. Very... Uh, approachable and its demeanor, the way they displayed his transformation from being this uh, pompous ass in a way when it came to help and then asking for help and humbling himself. So yeah. strong. I really liked learning more about Philip as well. I always like to know the backstory and how someone thinks. Um, Tehran and I were talking before and we said that if we ever met the royal family, we would literally think we knew like knew them because of this show and that's the beauty of it but what I also liked about this episode is that we see once again Elizabeth in the back like pulling the strings you know she didn't let Philip know all the things that she was doing to help him but she saw that there was an issue with her husband and she was like you know what let me fix this without emasculating him and I think that's that's really key to being a good wife do you I think so. Well, I good so. for you. Taking notes, taking notes. Excellent. But first, the biggest thing that happened in this episode is we saw the men land on the moon. The moon landing. Moon. One small step for man, <laughs> one giant leap for mankind. Now, question to Rod. Do you believe, you know how, how people say it's like a conspiracy, no one really landed on the moon? What are your thoughts? Well, it, it's, it's funny. I, I have a, a very good friend. Godfrey, who's a comedian. And who is he, hilarious, he is by the way. hilarious. And he's got this theory that we did not land on the moon. Okay. Simply because of how calm people were when they got to the moon. He was like, if I land on the moon, I'll be like, oh, woo! And it's just always something that, that of all the arguments, changed my mind just enough. That's all it took. Okay, it, true, Enough. True. However, in the scope of a conspiracy, it's easy to have a conspiracy when it's one, two, three, four, five, a handful of people. But if the moon landing was not true, yeah. you understand there would have to be tens of thousands of people who covered this up. Right. NASA, organizations, media cover. So many people would have had to cover this up that I think it would have reached by now that we 
we would have found out. We would have known it wasn't true. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Philip really needed this to be true. Yeah. He was so into the, 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 the men landing on the moon. We had sure. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins. This is July 1969. The world is changing, and Philip's hair is thinning. Everyone's looking a little bit older, and, you know, things are very different now. And he's just trying to find his his purpose in life. So seeing these men land on the moon, this huge feat, the scientific, you know, phenomenon happen, and he's able to not only just hear about it, but see it happen, watch it on TV, have his family be involved. It really affected him. Um, and he's a bit of a nerd, actually. A lot of people may not know the background to that. He's a bit of a nerd. He loves technology and science and reads about it and reads up on it and loves knowing everything, which is why that disc concept was so, what, a little disc? How does that work? Right. What does it do? So, But remember, he's also a, a pilot, and I have a funny tweet uh, that I'll reference in our special segment, The Tweets Are Talking. Um, you know, so he, he kind of feels like he can identify with these guys because he's taken risks like them, and, and, and to be an astronaut, I can see the similarities between that and being a, a pilot. I should. I could. I mean, they're obviously the astronauts, for the most part, are are come from the stock of pilots and right. people who are familiar with the gadgetry. Philip is living vicariously through them. Yeah, we this saw is that. His life unimagined. Once again, the concept of the unlived life. Yeah, what do we have today that has? gotten the world, not only the U.S., but the world so excited to watch, similar to the man on the moon, the men landing on the moon back in the 60s. Uh, the closest thing is the Olympics, I would yeah, say. The Olympics so. or the World Cup, yeah, things of that nature. I, I don't know if we are as interested in scientific discoveries the same, yeah. because even now when we talk about the moon, we're like, yeah. Even though, by the way, it's only happened basically six times. Right. But we we just talk about it as if it happens all the time. All the time. Like, yeah. it's an easy thing. And it's basically just those three guys, by the way. <laughs> right, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, there have been talks about people now being able to... I remember Lance Bass. Remember, he was from NSYNC. He was training to go fly to the moon. No, and to go to space. Okay. That was just for a space travel. Okay. So an orbital around the Earth, which is much different. The moon is... Even though it looks very close, it's very far away. Right, right, right. So this was this huge thing that brought the world together and made Philip himself try to figure out what was going on in his life. Um, and then we have, you know, he's going to church with his family. Reluctantly. Yeah, I was surprised to see them go to church. I mean, I know that she's the head of the church. Church of England. Church. I, I mean, remember, this is the concept of Protestant. Right. Is <laughs> right here. Let's divorce our wife, our wives, or how many, how many wives that he had <laughs> beheaded at that time. So the church is, you know, uh, basically an institution. Right, but we don't, it's, I think this is one of the few times I can't, other than when they have like big ceremonies. That we've seen it. Yeah, we've seen them walk into the church like a normal family, yeah. um, which was very interesting to me. And I'd also, I liked seeing how Elizabeth, how having faith kind of grounded her, it seemed like, but it, it had the opposite effect on Philip. It's part of that midlife crisis. The faith comes and goes, especially, there's always been some type of uh, adversarial status between science and church as if science disproves faith and or faith would disprove science even right. though in my personal thoughts they're very much one and the same. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I mean, 
I agree. I agree. Um, Philip was so obsessed with this. He was watching the men on the moon every day. And I think a lot of people do that. They see something happen that they can prove, and then they're like, well, is there a God, you know? And like you were saying, the, for some people, they feel like the two are connected. I, I think so. Um, but watching these men do this makes him figure out, try to see, okay, what accomplishments have I made in my life? Sure. I mean, and do you think that was fair of him to think that way? I mean, he has, you know, overcome some adversity in life, and he is married to the queen. So sure, he's had a great life, but as a, as a guy, I can, I can tell you this. There are often times that my friends and I are talking, and we'll be like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. LeBron James is you know, 32, <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. Like he's done all this and he's only, Oh, Oh, this is great. You know, Travis Scott is 26, whatever right. it is. Right. We'll just, we'll just bring up someone and be like, wow, look where they are and where we are in comparison to their lives. How far away age wise or accomplishment wise. I think that speaks to technology because Philip was watching what happened on TV and comparing his life to what he saw the astronauts doing today. We have Instagram where you know, that's our newest technology that we, a lot of people compare their lives to. Yeah, everyone has so much fun. <laughs> it sends many people into a downward spiral. But Philip decides uh, to start making some changes in his life because of this crisis. He, uh, one, he wants the, the family to watch what's happening so they too can learn. We get to see all the kids. We see, well, we don't see Charles in this episode, but we see Anne and Andrew and Edward are the two, the, the two little ones who are so cute. They have the, the helmets on and they were they playing. They had the bouncy ball, the yeah. bouncy ball, the moon ball, the moon bounce ball. <laughs> and it made the house feel like a normal family's house. That's what I really like. And those, seeing all the kids, especially the little ones, made it feel like a, a, a real, I don't know, it felt warm for the first time. Um, Especially coming off last episode where there was that coldness that I felt. I mean, Elizabeth was hardcore. Yeah. So, so the family's watching the this the news all the time. Philip is staying up late. Then he decides to start jogging and deciding, you know, this is something that I I, I just got to keep making changes in my life. And Elizabeth observes this and she's like, okay, something's wrong with my husband. Um, she mentions it to him and he was surprised that she noticed it. So her solution was to bring this new pastor to, to town, would you say? Sure, we have a new leader, we have a new new parish, but the whole thing is also the old parishioner was boring and just becoming, uh, they used this big word, upsilaneous or something <laughs> like that, whatever it was, such a great placement of the word. And then <laughs> I liked uh, when Michael Hughes like, witty, quick, and they kept going. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Elizabeth was Viral. like, okay, okay. Like, yes. Those yeah, are my favorite yes. moments when there's those little moments that yeah. it's like, it makes you laugh. I love that. Yeah, the old pastor uh, was not cutting yeah, it go. anymore. He, he, so we got a young guy. Yeah. New. And how do you think Elizabeth knew that was what Philip needed? A bit of faith? Yeah. I think it had to do with uh, she knows her husband. She knows her husband. Yeah. Um, so this new pastor comes to town, and he's trying to shake 
things up a little bit. He's also a little bit pushy. He is a little bit pushy. I thought, <laughs> hey, you just got the job, bro. That's what I thought. Hey, um, how about you get settled in first? And he comes in, hey, I, I noticed all these houses <laughs> and all these palace grounds are unused. Can I have them? Like, I know. How about, how about you just uh, calm down, buddy? Exactly. Work for a week. Exactly. Come here trying to rent out stuff yeah. already. And Philip, he asked Philip, and it also, I'm always also surprised when Philip has uh, a say in something. Like when the pastor asked about using those homes, I was like, does he have to get permission from Elizabeth? But sure. Philip does have some some power, and I think that's also speaks to their relationship. She knows, okay, let me give him these things. I have so much other things to worry about, and it also helps make him feel involved in the relationship. And I think it, you know, remember he was stepping out a lot, so anything to keep him at home. Well, he's been on his best behavior in in season three. Yes, he's been so far. He's been a great. But has he? Because in I that meeting, so. he references some things that he can't speak about, or some like less desirable things. Sure, back when he was younger, mm. he's not hiding that stuff. It's just I don't think now. I think he's. He's been on his game as as a couple. I feel like they've been great. They've been good. It makes but, me like them much more as a couple. But you know what happens? You know, they say when men go through a midlife crisis, they get the red Ferrari, they get the young girl. So I was hoping, I was wondering if we were going to see that. But no, we just saw Philip jogging in a sweatsuit and his yeah. and his wrists and playing um, polo in that cage. In I didn't know cage. that's how you like practice hitting the balls. The things we learn on the crown always. Um, so. This pastor, this, the pushy pastor, that's what I'll call him, <laughs> comes to town and he asks Philip, hey, can I use one of these homes to have a men's group? Yeah. Did you, is that really a thing? Like, the, I didn't know pastors need their own, like, support group. You know, it's interesting. I'm not as well versed on that, but I could see that being a thing. You have been working as well. And as much as we enjoy it and we we take for granted that every Sunday or whatever day of worship... Uh, the leader of the uh, of your spiritual church basically is there, but they're doing that seven days a week. We just show up for a couple yeah. hours <laughs> <Right>. on Sunday. <laughs> they need some. It's a time, job, right? yeah. It's a job, and sometimes they get bored. They get, you know, I could see being in that life. I could be. I could see it just being like. Oh, not a kid. I know. And then you're taking on everybody. Like so many people yeah. are coming to. It's not like a therapist where you have a couple of patients a day. You have the whole congregation. You got to say something positive. So you got to keep yourself uplifted. And, you know, that must it be. It seems like a lot. Yes. And it's interesting to get that insight. Yeah. So and also men don't have spaces in which they get to talk to each other like that outside of like a sports situation or like a bar situation. Yeah, during sports, we actually really talk about our feelings. A Do lot you? of people don't know that. Do you? Yeah, it, like when people are playing football, they're like, oh, man, I think I've been sad lately. It's actually a little known fact about what guys do. I didn't know do. that. Yes. I, would, I would love to see that in person. It's a thing. We cry. <laughs> we cry all the time. I actually think for a long time I never thought guys really had feelings. So I thought they were just all... We're not allowed to have feelings. No, you, I would love for men to have feelings. but that is, A lot of people say that, but the truth of the matter is <laughs> it would be very unnerving if you saw a man in your life cry. And, and as much as a lot of people are like, oh, I wish you had more feelings. Like if they were just crying or they uh, – we've seen this play out is that temperament of men must be this unwavering wall in these situations. So – Yes, we love a lot of things on paper, but in truth, 
No. It I, doesn't play that. I actually song. had a, a guy friend who I've known for many years. He cried over a girl to me recently. Oh, that's sad. I, but I, you're right. Cried okay. over a girl after you cheated. See, <laughs> this is what we do. We tend to always want you back after we messed up. It's always the, the I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Have you ever heard men love songs? 85% it's I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have. You should be the one, blah, blah, blah. I know, I Come know. back, come back to me. But it just surprised me, and I initially was like, oh, he's crying. But then I was like, come on, straighten up. The, you know? Your friend, not the prince. My friend, yes, Exactly, yes, yes. and so you got over his feelings very quickly. But when it comes to the prince, even when he, he, it's so difficult for him to talk about it, and that's real. Not only is he a man, so toxic masculinity, it's also, he's a royal, toxic royalty. It's very difficult to open up and be a faltering royal. Yeah, and that's how he was raised, and that's how he's trying to raise Charles, but it's obviously not working um, at this point. But he's raised to kind of be strong, yes. never show, uh, you know, weakness. At, and Walk all, it off, all, buddy. Yeah, all strength, no weakness. Sure. And, um, you know, just be a tough guy. So uh, I think that has, has prevented him from opening up, and that's why this group was difficult for him to, to even kind of Go to when when the the pushy pastor again, you know, says, "Hey, Charles." I mean, Philip. Well, at first, he's very he's condescending towards the idea of yeah. even the, the fact that the that the group needs to exist to begin with. Right. Exactly. He's like, "You guys are are weak. You shouldn't sit here. You need to actually." He take goes action. in and does that. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of mean. Yeah. They they they're like, you need to take action and not. Uh, just sit here talking about your feelings all day. We've got better things to do. Look at these guys. They're over here on the moon. They're in the moon. <laughs> They're on the moon. You, you don't even know how many times I said, I've been to the moon. Because if I had been to the moon, that's all I would say. I'd be, be like, hey, can I speak to you? Have you been to the moon? I mean, that's, no? that's a great... I only speak to people who've been to the moon. That's a great line. I think yeah. it, it would work. I mean, it, it, it's effective. Philip also, what's bothering him is that he sees these guys on TV doing this amazing thing, and he's got his duties are to go to the like wool factory in the, uh, and the or the dentist seminar, whatever that was. Oh, <laughs> teeth are so important, <laughs> and these fake teeth, we will all need them. It was just, it was fun. But it was interesting because again, it speaks to this reoccurring theme of duty that we see that the family has yeah. to endure. They can't ever say, you know what, mm, I don't want to go to the teeth factory. Uh, but you have to. It is your duty. You have to put on this brave face. You have to show that you're respectful of all people, even if their job is simply to make dentures and and just keep it moving. That's part of, you know, live, having this life of privilege. So that but it, it also depresses him even more. He's like, dang, I want to do something fun. He does, especially while these guys are going to the moon and 500 million people are watching them do so. Right. So uh Part of being, you know, having a super cool wife is that you get the astronauts that you were just watching on TV. They get to come to. He your gets house. so happy. He so happy. <laughs> She's like, by the way, besides the message, I also they said something about I don't know stopping by. Would you be knowing he's gonna be like? He's like, yes, yes, please, yes, 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 more, yes, yes. Exactly. I mean, it also it reminded me of like being married to some like like Beyonce and Jay-Z, like Blue Ivy, her mom is going to come to her with these cool opportunities that only a Beyonce would have access to. So the queen, in this case, had an opportunity to write a letter, 
give a note to the astronauts. And which that they placed, it, it was part of the message that was left on the moon. It's also something that plays in a lot of satellites as they go out, um, this message that we have from Earth. Right, and it wasn't just her. It was like everyone around the world. So uh, it wasn't everyone around the world. It was several, it was, several prominent figures. From it was around the, the prominent world. figures, and I, I didn't want to say anything as I watched that, but I, I am desperate to find out how many, who the voices are. Mm. Are they all the Queen Elizabeths, or did we get a couple Nelson Mandelas in there? Did we get a Martin Luther King? Throw <laughs> that in there. Get, get, you know. Get someone. A, a, I mean, a I'm just saying. Diversity in, in the and I'm just asking. I'm just. I'm just asking for a friend. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up because uh, some people have commented. I remember seeing a tweet that said something about when are we going to get some diversity in the crown? Well, I mean, it's a historical piece, so. Right, but I did see a, a brown man in the background of the previous episode of episode. We saw a black guy in in America opening the door. Okay, so we saw that guy, yeah. black guy, and then we saw a guy in episode six in the background of um, one of the scenes, and then in episode eight, there is a prominent black figure working with the royal family. Oh, and the, we're going to see that mm-hmm. come up. We're oh, going to see nice. that soon, so yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, Elizabeth lets Philip know, hey, the astronauts are coming, the astronauts are coming, and he is super excited, the most excited we've seen him in weeks, and he requests, you know, with Philip, he, he's never just happy with what he's given, he always wants to push the envelope, and he says, hey, can I get some time with them? And did you see Elizabeth's face? She was like, here we go again, I give you an inch, you take a mile, like, yeah. come on. Is 15 minutes enough? To speak to the men who have seen the universe from above? <laughs> no! But I guess it is all I will get. Yes. It was cute. It was cute. He was excited. I know. He I gets know. to meet Michael Jordan. Right. Know? Basically. Michael Jordan of the moon. Exactly. So um, the astronauts arrive and they're sick. Now, why are they sick? Is it just because they've Is it moon in? sickness? No, it's London sickness. Okay. In England is cold and it's rainy and they get catch the cold. Okay. Because I was like. And well, they're traveling. They're sleep deprived. I was like, conspiracy. See, they came back from the moon with something. Moon, uh, moon sneezing. Right, right. The moon flu or something. And, um. Philip has prepared, you know, he's he's a little bit nervous to meet these gentlemen. And as they sit in front of him and he sits in front of them, he realizes in speaking to them that they're just young men that happen to do this extraordinary thing, but they're not gods. He's he's very underwhelmed by them. Very. Yeah. And, and that's something I think that is a matter of record. So, similar to Elizabeth's uh, portrayal of, I mean, Margaret's portrayal of JFK. Mm. Something in that vein. Got it, got it. Um, When he meets the astronauts, um, he says he wasn't, he, Philip says he himself wasn't able to accomplish the things he would have liked to as a man or as an adventurer. So he has this sense that, you know, there there was so much more he wanted to do with his life. But what do you think he... What uh, what else did he want to do? What I mean, he... I don't know what else did he think he could do. <laughs> right? I don't know. I'm like, you married the queen. You're good. What would he have been? Continued to be in the air force, or wasn't he a sailor at one point? I mean, I just feel like, bro, you've done it all. Like you've lived the life. You talk about unlived life. I haven't lived my life. You understand? <laughs> You're Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. Please. You're doing all right. Can I? Can you want to switch? Right. <laughs> you want to switch? You're right. Hey, you know what? Woo! My life's great. You want to switch? 
And in in this conversation, you know, he's he's asking them these questions, and they're one not very, uh, not really forthcoming. They uh, is not it that forthcoming. They, they're just not as excited as he is about the same thing. They did it right. They're, they're just like they're more excited about the guy. Oh my gosh, I heard it's like four miles of Spain. Oh, you live here. I know. Like they were waiting to be like, yo, how many girls do you? <laughs> I want to know. Like it's exciting. They're in the. They're in. Uh, the Buckingham Palace. I or know. Did you yeah. see them running up and down the stairs? I, it's, me personally, I was like, okay, guys, calm down. You're you're sh- you're sh- you're showing out right now, and you're I you're. Mean, it was a lot, and Philip looked a little disgusted by that point. He was just like, ugh, I'm I'm over you guys. But you know, these they were here were these two people that okay, us as outsiders look like at them as having done something amazing, and they're looking at each other, kind of with an outsider's perspective, kind of like as if they were in a fishbowl. I think that's what happened here. There are moments in the show where we see the family members get put in, into a fishbowl, and this is what happened to Philip. Philip was put into this fishbowl by the three astronauts when they started asking him all these questions about how many rooms are in the, the castle. They're asking normal questions. They're excited to meet him. But They're excited to be there. It's a, it's. I, it came off kind of like a freak show. That You know what I'm saying? Like he was like a, a freak of nature. That's what I felt when they were asking him all those well, questions. Well, he's doing the same thing to them. He just They were doing their job. When they went to, went to space, sure, it's great. It's an amazing feat. But they were also doing what they were trained to do. Yeah, but and I loved how Elizabeth put in perspective as Philip is basically berating their character. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth is ex- explaining that, ex- justifying that exact same characteristic right. and how helpful it would be. Yeah, she says that um, that their lack of flair makes them perfect for the job, and I felt like that was she was speaking about herself. I thought she was actually speaking about Philip, but. Yes. No, I feel but like Flo. In a way, yes, about herself. I thought she was just saying, hey, we're dull, and that's why we're so good at what we do. But remember, Own it. Philip was, was, he did have a lot of, like, he brought the excitement to her life. Mm, and, in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning. So I think he's still, because he's at this midlife point, he still in his mind feels like that young, vibrant guy that was out in the streets partying. That's but, a midlife crisis. Right, but the, the thinning hair is telling him something else. Yeah. I think, but, so, like Elizabeth, uh, these astronauts did their job well because they were not flashy guys. They focused on the job and, um, they're spectacular in other ways. And I think she was, she understood that because that's how she, she thinks of herself. Yeah. Um, Dean Woods, the, the pushy pastor then invites Philip back to the counseling session at St. George's house. Um, and this is when we see Philip have kind of like a change of heart after meeting the, the astronauts and after, because his questions to them were very, Deep. He was looking for them to give him answers to, you know, the meaning of life and what is it all for after having accomplished so something so amazing. But they were just they 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 were too young to even think about it like yeah, that. Well, I mean, they're well, I don't know about you, young. You don't specifically. Think, oh, okay. They are like in their they're in their upper thirties going in boys, and Philip at this time I think is in his forties going in fifties. Mm-hmm. So. So 1921 and then 1969, right? right? So, so the concept is basically here. Here's the interesting thing: what Philip doesn't know is later Buzz Aldrin and those guys actually a lot of these astronauts have problems with like alcoholism and things Why like this because that? they have accomplished something great and they come back 
home and it's just and a lot of people don't realize that's that's I call it the Rihanna syndrome. What do you mean? And, and don't talk about my girl Riri. It's not about Rihanna specifically. It's about the fact that when Rihanna performs for 100,000 people on Saturday uh, and Sunday, on Monday, she's just at home feeding her cat. You know what kind of <laughs> highs and lows that is to go through that in your life, to go through an extreme high, and extreme low? It's very difficult for us as humans to process normal things like breakups. Your friend is crying over a girl <laughs> they just broke up with. That's nothing in comparison to the extreme high of going to the moon and having everybody and then going to Ohio right where you are from like I'm sorry (laughs) that's a huge high and low and with Prince Philip there's a lot of that as well it's like it's just like why is my life so high and low at the same time I'm Prince Philip and yet I basically live in a cage yeah and have people looking at me at all times whereas Buzz and, and the crew they had they went from kind of just being guys doing their job to having the world yeah. all eyes on them. Colonel, lieutenant, captain, you know, right. and just boom, next thing you know, they are rock stars. Right. What does one do after you fly to the moon? Exactly. That's why I'm saying I, if, if I had flown to the moon, if I'd ever been on the moon, that's basically all I would ever speak of. Right. I, I would just be like, they'd be like, sir, that'll be $9.42. I'd be like, I've been to the moon. <laughs> I've been to I the think, moon. I think mean, like it's it's a it's a pretty uh, intense trip. It's yeah, not I like mean, going to New York from L.A. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, there's just I can't even begin to imagine what's involved in doing so. The G forces, like Philip brought up, is it's just huge. It's a huge feat. You know, it's a huge feat. Five hundred million people just watched you do something. Right, and then and then they come to Philip talking it's about the first. water, the water cooler, and that was what was funny to them. Something so I simple. Could, but I could also see that that you are around the best scientists in the world, and they couldn't even invent a noise this water cooler. Right. Like they didn't even think about it. Yeah. So Philip uh, goes back to the church and back to the men's group and finally is able to open up. Um, the part that got me before, I don't, I don't remember if it was before or after this, but when Philip is walking through the house, he goes into his mama's room and Princess Alice isn't there anymore. Yeah, we, we find out that she's she's passed. She brings it up. Yeah, it wasn't even like a scene. Like, right. We, I mean that that's actually a powerful storytelling tool. Yeah, is we were so attached to Alice. Even last just last episode, we were talking about how much we loved Alice, and then she's just gone. They didn't. There wasn't a scene. We didn't see a passing. We didn't see anything. It just happened, and 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 he brings it up in the group, and it's just like, sheesh. That's that really actually. Oh wow. And everyone's noticing something's wrong with him, so it's like it didn't just happen. Or because people would be like, "Oh, your mom died. We get it." And he's just, he's in a, he's in a slump. Right, and that's what we realize. It's not about the astronauts, but I think it's about his mother dying, and then, you know, death always makes you reflect on on your life and and the life of the person that you lost. Yeah. So then this monumental event happens, and then then he, the the midlife crisis happens. I think the, those were the, the flow of events. Um, but RIP, Alice. Um, you know, he also s- apologizes to the men, which I thought was very big of him. You know, a lot of people find it difficult to apologize, but he was able to say, I apologize for how I spoke to you before and my train of thought before. I actually, it was harder for me. He said it was scarier coming to talk to them about his feelings than flying to the moon. Yeah, I'd like to actually take this time to apologize to some of the people. I'd like to apologize for... Uh, never apologizing. I will never listen. I'm saying I'm sorry for not being sorry. You I, are what I could see you being like. Oh, I'm sorry that you felt that I way. I am definitely. I'm sorry you felt that way, guy. I'm <laughs> by far that is my. I line. could tell. I could. I'm tell. the. I'm sorry you felt 
that, but I don't know. Right. Feel it. <laughs> so Philip ends up becoming really good friends with uh, Dean Robin Woods. Yeah, when they're walking and Elizabeth's watching and sees it and knows, hey, my little plan worked, you know? Was, that was sweet. So do you think when Elizabeth brought uh, Dean Woods to the grounds like she said listen my husband's going through this thing can you kind of low-key help him i felt i felt that way simply because he expressed so much interest in philip specifically yeah I, I and i felt that way because of the look that elizabeth gave the ha 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 puppeteer i made it work that whole thing i i and if not at least the the literary license they took made it seem that way, and it was great, too. I appreciated it. Yeah. I appreciated it. I was just happy to see Philip at the end of this episode find a sense of peace. Yes. Um, and to find out that he, the, the home, St. George's House, became a center for exploration of faith and philosophy. So the pushy pastor, you know, he, he was on to something when he requested to have that space. And not only became um, something, I thought it was going to be a short-term thing, but look at the, all these years exactly, later. Exactly, years it, later. It became part of Phil, actually Philip's legacy. And look at that. It's not something that he planned. It, it, it was, let's say, heaven sent. Aww. <laughs> And it, they said at the end of the episode, it was is the success of the uh, St. George's House was one of Philip's proudest achievements. Yes. So in the end, he ended up achieving something that he didn't even plan to do. But it's because he pushed himself not to go to the moon, but to talk about his feelings. Feelings are powerful, guys. They are. Well, that concludes this recap. But let's go into our special segment. The tweets are talking. So the tweets are talking is when I chrome the Twitter to see what you guys are saying about the show or this specific episode. So first tweet says, just watch the moon landing episode of The Crown and oh my God, was that a feat of extraordinary writing and acting blown away. Blown away. And then we have... Uh, just S is the name of this person. Uh, they said, I enjoy The Crown season three very, very much, particularly moved by the moon landing slash lost of faith crisis episode. I suppose it will resonate with people from all walks of life, mine included, that are at some point in our, our lives, we ought to ask ourselves what keeps our heart pumping. And they have a picture of Philip running in his sweatsuit, which I was like, oh, look at Philip all dressed down. Like that outfit right now. That, he could wear that now. He could wear it now. <laughs> He's ahead of his time. He's ahead of his time. Next uh, tweet, uh, it says, um, same energy. And it's a picture of, of Philip. Uh, if you, if we have an image of Philip where he says, but uh, I uh, actually am a pilot myself. And I'm like, oh, poor, <laughs> poor Philip. And that's they said cool. that's the same energy of uh, William Defoe in Spider-Man when he says, I'm something of a scientist myself, yeah, which I just funny. thought was funny. Because uh, William Defoe is scary. And Philip, not so much. I don't know. You think Philip's scary? Uh. <laughs> I could see him being Senator Palpatine. <laughs> like he's just—I don't know. Okay, I like him. Next tweet is from Olivia's Coleman's. Um, it says, "This is from the church scene, and it says before Olivia Coleman invented the eyes and the nose, the world was dull and empty." And we see uh, Philip in in church with Olivia. And our final tweet uh, says is from the Urban Outlander, and it says, I hereby declare by order of 
Her Royal Highness, the Urban Outlander, Queen of Tobias Menzies' Land, that season three of The Crown by way of Netflix is extraordinary, brilliant, and achieves the highest levels of excellence in all the land. Hear, hear. Hear, hear. Royal waving from Long the Long live the queen. <laughs> you know, we got to practice our waves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And that tweet leads us into our next segment, News and Gossip. News and Gossip. So, everyone loves The Crown, but uh, did you know that last season our lead, Claire Foy, Foy, was paid less than her other cast member, Matt Smith? Yes, that was a bit of a thing. A scandal. Well, Smith was coming off the whole Doctor Who thing and he was a little more famous. At least that was the reasoning. Supposedly, but I have worked in uh, offices in which they make deals and, you know, it's it's really your lawyer really and makes your the, agent. Your lawyer and your agent are, are battling about trying to get you the most money and yes, they try to use your credits, your previous credits and how, you know, popular you are at the time, but there's someone they, everyone kind of knows what people are getting, so I'm surprised that this happened, and I'm, I was disappointed. Um, there's a Harper's Bazaar article that we found that says, Speaking to Harper's Bazaar UK, the Game of Thrones actor um, admitted that Foy being played less than Smith was, quote-unquote, hard to swallow. Um, and But the imbalance has been readdressed as Coleman is now being paid more than him. I'm so, sure Claire doesn't give a sh. Okay. <laughs> Claire's like, okay, that's nice, but. Mm, well, so. I did two seasons. Supposedly, she was given back pay, but yes, yeah, so now Olivia Coleman is getting paid more than um, Tobias Menzies. I mean, she is an Oscar winner, so that makes sense. He also, Tobias suggested that the solution to the pay inequality can only be resolved by both men and women openly discussing their salaries so that there is complete transparency. Do you think that would work, actually? You know, it's interesting. People are very strange when it comes to how much money they're making. Yeah. So I think that the communication, especially when it comes to top talent, is one which I like when it's publicized. And I also like it when, when you find out that these shows, like if I'm making a million, everyone's making a million type episodes yeah. where we're going to stick together. Yeah, in, all, in solidarity. Exactly. Um, at a press conference last year, producer, one of the producers told the audience that going forward, no one gets paid more than the queen. So we'll see if that happens. Sure, um, it depends. But to me, it also depends on the talent that you get. Right. So if you're doing something and you yeah. have... I don't know, Daniel Craig on there, right. Mr. James Bond himself, and then at the same time you have some actor that you just found, then I feel like Daniel Craig should get paid more. That fame has to have some value. That Totally. But, but at this point, uh, the entire cast is amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was claimed that producers agreed to pay Foy £200,000 back pay after it was revealed that she pay was paid 10,000 pounds less than Smith, um, although Foy has since denied that report, so... We shall see. That she didn't receive that money. That is correct. That is correct. And speaking of the other man in the Queen's life, did you ever wonder what happened to good old Porchy? Yeah, every day. I wake <laughs> up. I'm actually like, Porchy. Oh, what happened to you, Porchy? Yes. Porchy, well, where, oh, where for art oh, thou, Porchy? <laughs> well, one of the show's most beloved characters, uh, uh, we got some details in an L article that said Porchy actually some of his background is that he, Porchy ran in aristocratic circles and his family was close to the royals, so it's no surprise that he and Elizabeth were close. He was actually born at Highclere Castle. Mm. 
best known as a sitting, the setting for one of my other paper shows, Downton Abbey. Mm. And um, he, Porchy's father was good friends with the Queen's uncle, Edward VIII, and so much so that he was asked to intervene before Edward abdicated. So Porchy then ended up marrying uh, a woman from Wyoming in 1956, and they had two sons and a daughter. And the queen is actually the godmother to the couple's oldest son. So the oldest son was like, no offense, mom and dad, but I hope you die so that I can be raised by the queen. Wait, not after talking to Charles. Interesting. <laughs> he actually has a, a title. Um, he's now called the, the Eighth Earl of Carnarvon. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm the 13th Earl of Carnarvon. You? Yeah, cool. Unfortunately, Porty died of a heart attack at, at Highclere Castle on September 11th, the same day as the terrorist attacks here in the U.S., yeah, well, um, sad day. Sorry, yeah. Porchy, we forgot because there was something else we should <laughs> never forget. Well, Elizabeth was very emotional, um, but, you know, she can't just go out crying. So she had to make a statement about 9-11, which reads, uh, and the final line read, nothing that can be said, nothing can be said can begin to take away the anguish and the pain of these moments. Grief is the price we pay for love. And many people think she was talking about good old Porchy. I wonder if they ever got it in. That's my. So, well, according to this article, a lot of people think they did not. But do you? I no, think I, so. I, I like being allowed in the UK. I don't know. <laughs> I think they had a, a little thing. Well, uh, we're wrapping up our episode for episode seven. But is there a final a favorite scene that you had in this episode? I, I would say my favorite scene was the meeting with the astronauts. I agree. That I was like my that favorite one, too, because I just love scenes where we see how different the royals are from everybody else. And, and poor Charles, uh, Philip really wanted that meeting to mean something. I love seeing scenes where Americans are interacting with the royals because <laughs> since we have no c- culture of royalty, yeah. we, uh, you know, the highest royalty we have here are celebrities. Right. We, we will meet the president and be like, yo, what up? Like, right. We just don't have that barrier. Yeah. And so I, I always find those interactions very interesting. Well, we love your interaction. So please continue to his, hit us up in the comments and in the live chat. We'll be moving on to episode eight shortly after this. But Tehran, where can they find you? Uh, you can definitely find me at I am Tehran all across the board. That's I-A-M-T-E-H-R-A-N. And of course, hosting and paneling on a slew of other After Buzz After Shows because all of your favorite TV shows are my favorite TV shows too. And I am Sahai Wilson. You can find me at Say Hi Sahai. Please stay tuned for our next episode on episode eight of the Crown After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. See you next time. Bye, guys. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.